0: Gavin Girl Time contains explicit sexually mature themes and is intended for a mature audience. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of any platforms, sponsors, or social media.
1: We say what we want and we don't. Gabin, girl time, Gabin, girl
0: time, Gabin, girl time. Hello.
2: Hello.
1: How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm well. How are you, my friend? I'm I'm
0: I'm okay, I'm better today been a really sucky week since we've been together last it really has though we hung out yesterday yes all right guys we hung out yesterday and <laughs> gail's like i want to go walking i show up in flip-flops <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just i show up in my little Birkenstock sandals she's like oh you can't walk in those i'm really really worried about you no, you can't walk in those. Maybe maybe Bill has a pair that you can wear. She was really genuinely worried about me walking.
1: I was genuinely worried about your foot health. So
0: we did what we should have done in the first place, and that's we got out the silk fans and we got out the ISIS wings and we played around for like what, an hour and a half? With all the
1: toys. Yes. A lot of upper body and cardio. Yes. It was fun. So let's do that again. I like that my neighbors will make it a YouTube series about me. Like I don't speak to anyone around here. I just flit by. I'll decide that I'm gonna go check the mail while I'm flying with the ISIS wings and go down in the neighborhood. And people are walking their dogs, and I'm just waving big gossamer wing in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and I know they're just like. Hmm.
2: I can hmm. only imagine
0: what my neighbors think like when I get <laughs> dressed up to go out to go to a show or something and I've already done my makeup at home and my hair and everything and I'm walking out the door in fucking like a leopard print moo moo, and my hair's put up and I have like all this makeup on and it's a different wig every time or we're going to a party and I'm dressed like really really slutty and <laughs> the key to that is you know I'm going to go to a party if I'm wearing a raincoat. Yeah, if you have an
1: overcoat.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: Classic curve move.
1: The overcoats. Yes. Look out for overcoats. It's, <laughs> it's what you have to do. I have some overcoats. So let's do that again.
0: <laughs> it really helped my mood. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I had to put my we'll kitten, my, my baby, my steel, my steely mm-hmm. bug down last week. Like, and... It's been hard. He's like a teenager. It's like losing a kid. Yeah. It sucks. It really does. But the thing that really bothers me Mm -hmm. is that everybody thinks that I need to be okay. You know, that it hasn't, it's been enough time. It's only been five days. It hasn't even been a week yet.
1: And I'm still sad. That was your buddy for a long time. Why are you supposed to immediately? Who is everybody that thinks you should yeah, immediately? I'm not going to okay. name names or anything. I mean, you know. They're just like, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm just feeling some guilt right now. And I know I'll get over it. I know it was the best decision to make. and But I don't like making those decisions.
1: Yeah. You know? My friend had to put, uh, Joe had to leave. He had to go anyway. But, um, She had a service come and do it, and I hate that I did not take note of the service, but I will put it on Facebook about who did it if somebody needs to uh, have, uh, they came out to her house, Oh, it was very dignified, and um, they even took him off in a stretcher, they fed him chocolate, he, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he was dying. They gave him a beer. Joe liked beer. They gave him. I mean, it's like they, you know, loved on him a little bit. And she
0: Our put him to sleep. Was not like that. We just went to the vet, and uh, I'm so happy that my daughter went with me because I don't think I could have done it by myself. But the worst part is, we, we were going to take him with us because mm-hmm. um, we can put him in a in a on family land. The worst thing was I'm just bawling my eyes out, having to walk out with this box. (laughs) And I just wanted to get out of there as quick as possible. And it was raining that day. It was just like the worst, worst morning, worst day in a while. But you know what? I feel better today. I made a couple of TikToks today, took a couple of pictures, got dressed up, put on some makeup, got on my fake hair. And I'm feeling pretty good today, so I'm starting to get really, really excited about this weekend, yeah, and, and performing
1: again. And that leads into our special guest. <gasps> Imagine the segue. I know you're learning. I like that you're learning comedy. I like terms. that you call it out
0: too, and just doesn't let just let it
1: flow. <laughs> In there, well, that's a the thing that we have to do. It's um, like a law of the. Awkward comic to be like, oh, look, it's Segway. Yeah, (laughs) look what a great tag. Yeah,
2: that's true. So, this is so great.
1: What a wonderful punchline! Why don't
0: you introduce our guest since you
1: all right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) this is a friend of mine in the Knoxville comedy scene, she is a producer of her own shows comedy and she produces other uh, events music events she's worked with second bell festival she is a radio dj on wozo here is it
3: WTK, but... (laughs) WTK? Sorry. I'm so sorry. Lozo's on my list, though. Is it on your list? Yeah, they also have that independent station, so yeah. Very cool. Okay,
1: so... Oh, sorry. But she is... As a matter of fact, when she leaves our recording today, she'll be going to DJ. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. But uh, she is the founder of Safe Kicker and True Grit Comedy, Beth Tompkins.
2: Yay! Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you
1: for having me.
0: Hello. Hi, Hi friends.
1: Welcome. <laughs>
0: yes, welcome. This is Do exciting. you like our array what we have to offer you? These
3: charcuterie boards are exquisite. <laughs> The spinny one's my favorite. And that lovely. <laughs>
1: gets one. Yeah, not that lovely gets
0: three dollar lazy
1: Susan at Tarjon.
3: The only yeah. way it could be better is if it had pockets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it would be great. Pockets are good.
0: Oh. Love a good pocket. I have my wedding dress uh made with pockets.
3: Just pockets. Yeah, all, <laughs> just, just all, that uh, just all pockets. That
0: sounds amazing. <laughs> It was a bad rendition of RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, borrow no, all the no, things. No, no, This very elegant uh, gown. I had like the bell sleeves oh. and uh, it was very, very low, low cut. I didn't realize how low cut it was until I tried, tried it on. It was like, ooh. But then again, that's me. Mm-hmm. I'm hell, I'm showing off titty right now. <laughs> Your dress is beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's a Kroger special.
1: you Today that yeah. dress, yeah. I was like talking about clearance. your wedding dress, but that dress mm-hmm. is oh. adorable. Yeah, but well. the wedding
0: dress. But With I asked a uh, shout out to Anatomic who made my wedding dress. Who will be on the show? Our special 420 show we've got coming up next week. Anyway, I asked her. I said, "Look, you got to give me some pockets because I got to carry my phone, and uh, I wanted to carry my vows and like lipstick yeah. and stuff. Like essentials. The yes. essentials. Yeah. Yes. yes. And it's gorgeous." And I love it, and I should try it on that sounds again. Awesome. See how see how it goes. Yes, make a TikTok with it. I just want <laughs> I want sewing lessons. You can do that here, mm-hmm. and YouTube is a great place for that too. Yeah, that's learning cool. how to sew. Yeah, got a machine and everything. The best show though is the PBS show, and I can't remember her name. Sewing want... with Martha. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So there
0: you
3: yeah, go. Do you I, sew? I just grew up without cable.
0: <laughs> I fucking love PBS. I knit
3: though, and I love to watch the sewing stuff, like making clothing and quilts, and that's awesome. Yeah. but I, I knit. Knitting's as Nancy, far as I've though. That, that I mean, It was like... sewing with Nancy, but there was also some Martha Lady. Somebody I mean, out there Martha listening Stewart to this podcast there. will Google this, and they will be like, "Yes, okay. it was sewing with Nancy." And Beth is a terrible guest. So. <laughs>
1: I think
0: it's but cute. Gail's taking points. People off. <laughs> <laughs> Some listen. Some listen. I
1: hope people listen. All right. I don't know.
0: So Beth, you're a comedian, as Gail is, mm. and um, I want to know where'd you get your start. Like, what was your aha moment? That yeah, I got to st- stand up there and tell jokes to people that may or may not like them.
3: Well, uh, a lot of people definitely have some fantastic origin stories, but mine is one that seems to be a common one, um, but it's still my story, so I'll tell it. Um, but I ended up having a relationship breakup following a, lo- a job loss in my mid 30s uh, that really hit my ego and my checking account and all. Prospects that I thought might be ahead of me. And so I went into a huge depression. At the time, the only other hobby I had other than work, which wasn't a hobby, but something to occupy my time, was I DJ'd. Um And one night when I finished up my shift and the next DJ was coming in, it happened to be somebody that I had worked with and was also a friend. And they asked me if I was all right. And I was like, no, not really, but I'm here, which was my standard answer for the longest time. And she was like, you know, if you're still do- dealing with this depression, uh, they do a open mic uh, in the Old City on Mondays if you want to go check that out. I know you like comedy and stuff. I was like, sure. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? Like nobody there knows me. So that sounded amazing. I didn't want to be around anybody at that point. So I ended up picking a Monday and going to the Old City and wandering into Pilot Light. And they were doing their friendly town Show which is part open mic and part like theme improv stand up. A
0: couple of people that do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you say some names, it will come to me. Tyler, you got know, Tyler Sonicson, yes, yes, yes,
3: yes. Uh, John Hurst, Todd yeah. Lewis, um, and then the, there's newer folks that have joined like Rowan Young and Emily uh, Kirsten, Josh Arnold. They have mayors, so just select comics that help pick themes for Friendly Town or whatever. Yeah, but at um, the time,
1: I'm the frig- original Friendly Town mayors. I'm sad that
0: I've never Mm -hmm. got to make it out there before COVID. Yeah. I was always busy that day for some reason. Yeah.
3: And it's a tiny venue, so it's definitely been on on remission for now. But Mm -hmm. at the time, I just wandered in, and Tyler Sonicson was hosting at the time, and I just sat at the back and just watched the mic and watched the improv show. And I didn't really get the improv show, but I love absurd humor like Kids in the Hall and Monty Python and stuff. So I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's great and weird and wonderful. And so after that, I was like, I could probably write some jokes. You only have to do what, five minutes. So I took time like over the next week and thought about like, what would I say if I had a microphone in my hand? And I thought about being in a midlife crisis and finding out that 37 was like the age. And here I was thinking it was 50 and for some reason that struck me funny. So I wrote that down and I have a a son. So I thought about some funny things about being a mom and wrote that down and then got on stage the next week. And, had signed up as Beth with no known last name. Nobody knew me. That was fine. And I got up and I did my angry, sad, little, I'm old and fat and a mom set. And I got off the stage, not hating myself as much. Didn't really pay attention or care to how other people reacted, but it was almost like a therapy step. Um, but I thought, whatever I did it. It's fine. Like nobody probably even listened to me. That's fine. And Toward the end of it, because I did stay for the rest of it again, uh, Tyler came up to me and he said, is this your first time performing stand-up tonight? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure you can tell that, right? And he's like, I, no, but thank you for coming out. I appreciate it. I hope you come back. I was like, thanks. I appreciate you letting me do this. And then that was it. And I was like, okay, this is a thing I can do that I am doing, that I am in charge of, that no one can take away from me. That doesn't depend on another person, I can get myself there and do this thing and these other people seem to be funny or maybe in the same situation as I am and it just kind of stuck. And I started having conversations and finding out that yeah, there's a lot of people that started from a similar point. But I quickly, like, got excited by how much joy it brings to people, not just to go to a comedy show, but to actually perform. Like, a lot of people really get a lot of joy out of it. So that's what got me into producing from there.
0: Okay, I'm going to get it on a personal level okay. here right now. Sure. All right, and this is a question for both you ladies. Sure. Do you, is part of being a comic, do you think you're funny? Or do you think it's vain to think that you are funny?
1: No, i 100%. No, I'm funny. <clears throat> and I have had people ask me if I am funny when I lose weight. If, do, am I still funny? Like, I'm funny or fat, apparently. Am I still funny when I lose weight? Okay. Because I was bigger and I told jokes and I lost weight and I told jokes. My weight fluctuates up and down. Is it vain to think you're funny? No. Why would vanity and funny never go together? Because
0: I think I'm funny, but I don't think... I have this insecurity that nobody else thinks I'm funny. So, Mm. Beth, do you think you're funny?
3: I think I'm funny, but I think that it's such a, a personal thing that it's the same as thinking someone dresses well. Like, there could be just a whole bunch of us that all make our own clothes and think that we dress better than anybody in Knoxville. But... I think the vanity (laughs) thing comes in when you get too competitive and you have to be the funniest person in the room or you get upset when you walk off stage and the next person gets more laughs or gets to talking to somebody that's never walked up and talked oh, to you before yeah. that's where it gets ugly See, but i don't like think it's vain to say i think i'm funny yeah. yeah more so yeah than vain. yeah i think it just gets ugly when that stuff creeps in but i think it's fun to say i i think i'm funny I a lot of it, people laugh at me either with me or at me so either way like <laughs> and that's what, what i got going into for, you know?
0: burlesque was mm-hmm. we we are there to lift each other up i mean definitely and i think that that probably is the same way in the women's comedy scene as well it sure
3: can be yeah I mean me coming in from being depressed and also being a mom I suddenly had this group of people that were generally younger than me that I was watching them learn along with me or do stuff that even I wasn't able to do yet but like I could talk to them and share hear their experience and apply it to shows I've watched or stand-up shows I've attended and Maybe Gail's situation is similar or not, but I just, I immediately like saw an opportunity of like working with a group of people that were accessible and had similar goals. But again, when you get away from those goals or when you start making it less accessible, that's when it gets tricky to be in comedy.
1: I think there's a couple different, uh, first of all, I think that a scene is very fluid and there are different reasons to be in the scene Um, when I first came on the comedy scene here we had a home club and club comedy is a different beast than independent comedy a lot of times in a club you are more validated on the world stage if you have validation from a club that was more old school As we've transitioned with Internet and social media and um, things like that, independent comedy, you can kind of make your own way. And they tend to be the more interesting comics because they're not the mainstream comic, just like I was showing you a clean club comic who's really well known. She's like super well known in her sect, but rarely do you hear her name come up with comics and she's a local knoxville comic but she didn't do anything here in the scene or anything like that but i know it's weird but because you have so many dynamics people who want to make a living at this and take it super serious are going to not be as participatory there is only so many stages to be on unless you make your own There are only so many positions and spots available to you. However, fortunately, we live in a place that you can create whatever you want artistically. Depends on how much work you want to put into it, if you want to self-market or whatever. But once, if you're in a club scene, there's a girl who runs shows here and in Florida. Her it's Christy B. Comedy. And she runs shows in Merrillville and comes back and she runs them very much like a club situation. And she uh, books her people in that kind of attitude. Like she wants you to send her a tape or work for her and, you know, be on a show and you pay your dues, like do it for exposure. And it's like some of us have been plenty exposed. Not that that's a bad thing but it's just her club mentality of doing things. And there are too many opportunities and things here to do that. But with females in the scene, not everyone builds everybody up and I'm definitely not going to lie about that Uh, or pretend it's all sunshine and bunnies. However, I understand what purposes everyone is using whatever for and an open mic like Beth, runs a great open mic that she named aptly springboard because an open mic is for you to what? Go ahead, Beth. Tell us what you think an open mic is for. It's
3: where you start from or you improve on and you jump off and who knows where you'll go. You'll go as far as you're ready. But the idea is to set people up to have that space, have that audience.
1: Yes, it's a, I mean, it's definitely a privileged space, Mm -hmm. you know, there's only so many spots to do this and the way to get better at your craft is to do it a lot. And fortunately, when I first started, there were, there was a place to perform comedy seven days a week. I mean, you know, I could perform at side splitters and I could perform because I didn't sign up to do things with side splitters, but if I had started to tour where I was contracted through them, then I would not be able to do these independent shows that people are doing. So it depends on where your level I is. Miss it's side wild. splitters. I miss it, it a lot. My I have a friend who's a comedian, Josh yeah. Phillips.
0: Yeah. yeah, we know Josh.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I
0: worked with him at Sam's Club. We mm-hmm. came up with several creative things for the Christmas parties there. (laughs) Um, And I'm so happy that he's doing what he wants to do now. And he does a lot out the Midwest.
1: Yes. And because he's a club comic, he has those ends where he can run that circuit. They'll keep hiring the same people running through, but that's what killed it here.
3: And the owner. So that- now we have the independent comedy mm-hmm. scene. So there's not that club competition, but there can still be, you know, ver- versions of competition or whatever. But there's so much room for everybody to do it in whatever style they want. And the the proving ground is just simply people will either come to your events or they won't.
2: So, <laughs> yeah. you know,
3: that's really the only judgment that we have is producers or performers is just people will show up or they won't yeah so
1: so it's your job if you're a producer it's definitely your job to put on quality comedy shows Mm -hmm. quality shows Mm -hmm. for people to see and you got to promote
3: yeah definitely Mm -hmm. that's a big part of it too and you promote
1: but yes it's when you're producing anyway I mean, we're asking, but I could sit here and talk the whole time. I feel like it's me. I get this. I get the opportunity anyway, so I'm trying not to be rude. I'm Might as well. Rude. I've no. learned so much from you anyway. I went didn't? off on the <laughs> tangent just because of the fact that it's like comedy high school. And mm. just like there's cliques in high school. Well, that's what know? I kind of want
0: to get into. Like, what's yeah. been your struggle in the in the Knoxville scene as a, because you produce. hmm You also stand up. Mm -hmm. So you're also a performer. What's your struggles been?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think starting out initially, the struggle was the same as everybody else of just figuring out like, okay, if I'm really going to do this, like, how do I get better at it? How do I be as funny as these other people that I watch doing and learning the technical side of it or, you know, learning like what's funny to me may not be funny to other people and (laughs) working the right angles instead, which is part of the whole process. So that was like the first hurdle Still a hurdle, still something I work on. But after that, like I said, once I was doing it for just a little while, I realized like I really liked watching people get together and like, I I like to sort of, I like the group setting of working with people, but I'm also really organized and I loved the idea of like creating something like that. And I was watching people like Gail with her shows that she had regularly. I was watching the weekly open mic hosts and I thought I could, I could do this and I happened to be working a little spot downtown on Gay Street. And they had a space that f- they let local musicians come in and perform. And I was like, how about a monthly comedy show? And they're like, sure. And that's how. And so that. Wow. OK. But that was six months after I started. So that I'm sure all the other comedians in the scene were like, what in the world is this? <laughs> Who is this woman doing this? Who, Where did she come from? But I just, you know, threw myself at it. Again, I was still recovering from the life hits that I had taken, still trying to find a place. So this was me throwing myself into... You know what that's called, Beth, right? Mm. It, it, midlife crisis. Oh, well, I, was, I yeah, hear it I starts had... when you're 37, apparently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Little
3: did I know. I had mine about...
0: 37 Mm -hmm.
3: 38 so so that was mine which is great you know but it also had its pitfalls of you know I'm talking to people that they don't know who I am and you know I what is your show what is this venue whatever but you know I had support from other people in the scene you know that believed in what I was doing or thought it was really cool that you know I was trying to make another space for people to do the thing and meanwhile I was getting on shows and attending open mics so still trying to learn the craft and get to know people and stuff but the problem is that you know the the comedy high school term as it is really comes into when you step beyond that professional line and you start getting to know people and know about them and you share yourself with them And that's fair because friendships build and I have some great friends that I've made from starting comedy. That was one of the best unexpected benefits because I definitely didn't go into it thinking I was worth any kind of friend to anybody. And now I have amazing friends and, you know, acquaintances and people are, you know, getting to be friends as it is. But at the same time, then when people know your vulnerabilities and things get competitive or things get a little tricky when someone doesn't care for another person, that stuff comes out and then it becomes another story or another version of things or whatever. And it it just it distracts all of us from the goal of what we're even here to do. Like never mind just letting people do what they need to do. But you know, the other key is just like any relationship, any of these folks I'm talking to or working with, like communication. And the lack of it is something that feeds into again the comedy high school yeah, thing. Nine
1: times out of ten it's not even a real perception. You know, like there's a lot of deception in that perception. It's all what someone thinks is going on, and then it's not really what's going on. The people, it, people, okay, comics are all broken anyway when we get here, and even
3: so,
0: so that we're br- all that a little messed up. To my question: What is your goal?
3: So my goal. My goal as a producer and as a member of this comedy community is to be somebody that is able to feel comfortable working in our space and be somebody that others feel comfortable working with. So my goal is not to be friends with everybody. I'm not trying to get the biggest names or bigger names than anybody else producing. I am simply trying to do what I do and make it as accessible as it needs to be to the other people that are here to do a version of this thing that we do.
0: Okay, on a more personal no level. Drama. <laughs> what is your goal in your comedy?
3: My goal in my comedy is to have a strong production company that does book regular no, events. in your in oh, your oh, and me stand performing. Up. Oh, me in, performing. Yeah, in your stand up. I don't know. Up. You know, I I enjoy being on stage and I've I've gotten to do tours and feature sets with headlining comedians and stuff and it's awesome and I love that. Um, but after COVID, I've kind of felt like a shake up, like a Yahtzee cup or something where it's like right now focusing on producing to kind of help shore up the scene again or to recreate these shows or resume the work that a lot of us were doing has a priority. If I step back from that, though, and think like personally as a comedian, what my goal would be, I mean, I would love to be on some sort of a productive like sketch comedy show series i love sketch comedy and it is oh i I do too can't find a bed to lay in in this town for so to speak like it is my favorite version of comedy first (laughs) i want to know your goal
0: gail in in your personal stand-up because (laughs) because to me i might answer this for you to me it feels like you want to Make somebody think and make somebody feel mm. within your comedy.
1: Oh, you mean who, what my voice is or what I want to do? I want to yeah, make a living being is. a touring stand up comic. Mm. I don't, you know, uh, yes, it would be cool to have a Netflix special so that there's something that people find tangible about that. But I am also, you know, at the end of the days. And so I would be happy doing the end of the day comedy i would be more than happy to tour some cruise ships be a working road comic i would it would be cool to me i would be fine so as a working Mm -hmm. comic however as my message there's a lot i mean i do have a lot but a lot of it will be about having to um You know, just who I am as a person, not that I think that I'm so narcissistic about that, just life trials that we've been through, that we're not as far apart from each other as we think we are, and that we're way more alike than we think we are, and that we should be a, you know, I want to uplift people. As well, yeah. I don't want to punch down, but I do think life is funny, and I think stuff is funny, and I think that um, women are funny, and I think it's finally time to do that. I live a we live an alternative lifestyle. I think people need to stop being so afraid of women and the power of women, and that not all power is for evil. Because I'm a very powerful person. Even though I'm not. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't have. I do not have any of the accolades. That people would think. Was powerful. But yet I know. That I wield a power. It's so crazy. Again why do you give a shit? Oh I mean <laughs> I, I don't mean, think. I don't, I don't say but people. You might you might be like oh well. Where, where do you see it? But. I Just, I know I've seen it, I've seen the fruit. It was just in a different area of my life.
0: Favorite <laughs> sketch comedy show?
1: Mm. I know, I know it's hard. <laughs> I, I, I'm and it be be surprised be, if she does it, it can be say. foreign or domestic. You can do, yeah, whatever one you
3: like. It has to be the kids in the hall. I knew that oh, she was gonna say that, to, and, and you that's, know. That's, I know this is a female forward podcast, and I'm a very female forward kind of gal, but watching sketches from kids in the hall from the late 80s and early 90s, where they definitely had women on the show, but in the primary roles that they wrote for each other, they were the women. Their drag was never disrespectful. Their impersonations were never making fun of women. They were the women that they were being. And yes. you can watch any of their sketches. And that, like, faithfulness to the human blank like, spirit mm-hmm. will always make me confident, no matter who I'm talking to, that those five men are some of the s- most brilliant comedy writers and actors ever. They're weird. Hardly anybody knows about them unless they were born in 1970 or later, <laughs> earlier. But they are my no, favorite. Ren, I Long mean, time. They, yes, I, I love they, them.
0: Um, <laughs> I I love them. They are. Awesome. They are up there. They are up there. What's yours, Gail?
1: Mm-hmm. My look. favorite sketch was always SNL. Mm-hmm. I'm an SNL girl. yeah. yeah. I can yeah. even find redeemable things what about years, every though? new one. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, of course, the originals. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that was one, it was scandalous for me. I got to stay up to see it. I was still pretty <laughs> young, but I, you know, I was still old enough to get the jokes. So I love that. I just, you know, loved everything about it. I freaking loved Gilda Ragnar,
3: I loved uh, Lorraine Newman. Yeah, her yeah. Instagram is great. By the way, she's still very much alive and kicking. Her Instagram <laughs> nice. is fantastic.
1: Yeah. Oh well, there you go. I need to see. I need to follow her on Instagram. I don't follow enough comics, <laughs> which is crazy. But I think that comes from not wanting to overlap.
0: Well, then who's your who's your favorite? Um, like, who was y'all's inspiration?
3: I mean, I I think that one of the biggest inspirations to me, even, I mean, I've watched a lot of comedy stuff over time growing up, like comedy and horror were my two things. So clearly, like, I love extreme emotion. And that was so exciting for me as somebody growing up in, like, rural Tennessee. <laughs> but I got to see uh, Lisa Landry perform when we still had side splitters in Knoxville, gosh, 15-ish years ago. And that was my first, like, real stand-up show that I ever went to. And she knocked my socks off. Like the opening act was funny. The host was funny. The two drink minimum. I was like, wow, are we in like New York or something? Like I felt so fancy on the west side of Knoxville. But as soon as she got up there, it was like she was talking to all of us. Like we were her buddies. We were all allowed to like laugh at her silly life and the silly shit that she puts up with with her family and the people around her. But she is also Southern. And so she has this big Louisiana accent and I was like, oh my gosh, a Southern woman has this whole room of people listening to her laugh about her and her family. And it was just like, this was awesome. This was so awesome. So I think even like when I first contemplated like, all right, five minutes, how hard can it be in my head? I was like, what if I'm like Lisa Landry? And I've never forgotten like that feeling of just like being right there. And I, I mean, since then I've seen comedy at Tennessee theater. I've gotten to see Second City and, Toronto like I love comedy I love live comedy and the shows that happen around here and like in the southeast are awesome but nothing will beat that one little show that like, I got to sit and watch her do her thing and she made it look so easy and now knowing like how hard that is and actually can be like have even more respect for her. so she is definitely like one of the biggest contemporary comedian influences I
0: well, I grew up in Nashville, so mm. you know what's in Nashville? Mm-hmm. Zanies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember my boyfriend in high school and I, we we were both 18, so I think we got, to, got in, but we still had to buy drinks, like we couldn't drink drink. <laughs> but we saw Tim Allen. Oh, wow. Yeah, in his prime right there. Mm-hmm. And that was like 1990. That's fantastic. And he was really, really, you know, re- what I expected a comedian to be. Dirty and mm-hmm. funny, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it just surprises me now that he's like this. You know, <laughs>
2: <laughs> wholesome,
3: wholesome, bumbling TV dad persona, Santa yeah. Claus persona. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, yeah. A lot of times when you have trouble with addiction, you trade one addiction for another yeah. addiction. So, mm. so they got to walk that path. So, mm. like, whatever. I, I've always loved comics. I loved. Flipping. Uh, a lot of my influences were uh, Laugh In. Oh, like, yeah. I loved, Goldie
0: Hawn and Laughing Loved
1: her. I loved everything about Laugh and, love and um, Joanne Worley. Yes. yes. Oh, my gosh. And Ruth yes. Buzzy. Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> I love Ruth Buzzy to death. And so, um, Carol Burnett show. Mm-hmm. Loved Carol um, Burnett. Yeah. They, you all know, the, I'll just let you know. All of them are on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I've I flipped in just Vicki Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I loved all of them. So really, mm-hmm. really sketch comedy, m- my first sketch comedy would have been those that I fell in love with so much.
0: You know who's in that time era that I was really, really drawn to? And that was the Sonny and Cher show. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: was watched- fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. She she was she is she mm-hmm. is she still is sometimes she is annoying but yeah she's it's like stop trying so hard stop just back it up a notch just a notch she share and she's like what eighty she can do 700? whatever yes I, mean, I get she it. can do whatever she wants she is yes I get it I get it my annoyance is just my going into my old crony curmudgeoning period now.
0: Mines were uh, Phyllis oh. Diller.
1: I love Phyllis Diller mm-hmm, as well, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Joan Rivers, though, she's probably one of my all-time <laughs> yeah. favorites. Yeah, like Other I, than honestly, Roseanne Barr. Oh, I yeah. wanted
1: to write Melissa Rivers a letter <laughs> and just say, you know, I know that these would probably go for just an amazing amount at Christie's auction, but if I could just see one <laughs> section of your mom's card catalog just random just pull it out her throwaways just take a snapshot and send it to me my life would be complete like i don't even want to see the good stuff like just shit that she thought (laughs) that's just shit i just want to see her but what because there is none other that will be more brilliant. Uh, I'm always gonna say the Illuminati killed her. <laughs>
2: that's, that's the
1: thing that she she was crazy at the end though as she was older we'll blame it on the lip fillers or whatever. We'll blame it on the fillers
0: what, was she crazy or was she just telling the truth? She was just
1: doing the fashion
3: show. Critique show thing. When she yeah, a long <laughs> oh yeah, she, she losing it on the red carpet though. She was
1: not nice. She said some mean things <laughs> oh, about dear. Michelle, but she was mean to everybody. Oh, she so wasn't gonna go quietly. So that she. was my thing. I was just like, oh, that's. Aww. But I loved Joan Rivers with all my heart and soul. So yes, so- Melissa Rivers would make me the happiest. One one card out of the card catalog. <laughs> And that would be, that would be like, oh my god! The so. reason
0: I ask these questions is because I absolutely love stand up. I have ever since I was a child. We Me had, too. Well, we had cable, mm-hmm. so we Lucky. watched. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we watched all those late night dirty shows.
1: Rodney Dangerfield. Your mom had, had those, HBO. Yeah. the mm-hmm. monthly the <laughs> show. Yeah, didn't you just say that? Yeah. Oh, i'm sorry oh, no, it's okay. what <laughs> okay. do you remember the half hours comedy hour for oh, hbo yeah, yeah, that yeah. was all of those <laughs> yes
0: yeah you got to see everybody before they went to on to like snl right. or they went to on to movies or yeah, they went before on they blew to, up yeah right before they blew up
3: now i think and, one sorely ignored sketch comedy show no kidding is he haw yeah. If you absolutely. have not watched She ever or in a long time, you sh- it reruns. It's on YouTube. Like, talk about a variety show. And there's so many jokes there that, I mean, I, I was yes. growing up with my parents watching it. So I, I missed think it's all that on stuff. on
0: TV. I mean, if you think don't is. have cable, if yeah. you just have an antenna, it's. You but that that was i mean TV.
3: you look at their their list of guests yes. they had the humor that they would throw into stuff and it wasn't all just making fun of hillbillies it so much of it was so much more nuanced oh, that's yeah. on my list of like underrated sketch comedy now
1: for real <laughs> and then in living color was oh, yeah. just off the charts yeah for yeah sure. the first few years were good <laughs> did you keep watch? you watched it forever as it went off the rails you didn't like it. Once How J-Lo long was left, it on? Did you give up? <laughs> yeah. When J Lo left, you were done, or did it get? Me. I don't know. I don't remember one that
0: I just remember the first, There was just a few things about In Living Color that I liked, and mm. the rest of it, you, I could just kind of throw away. Mm. But mm. I mean, uh, Men on Film <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> you um, liked Men on Film. Love that. Um,
3: <laughs> hated it. Men, <laughs>
0: oh. Did the, you hate the Fire Marshal Bill, girl? Jamie Foxx, yes. Wanda, Wanda, yes. Wanda.
1: I <laughs> yes. love Wanda and Lingerie. I still favorites. say, I still say Lingerie. <laughs> the, the Fire Marshal
0: Bill and all that. I was like, no. Okay, so you just uh, but, didn't like Jim Carrey? <laughs> no, I, I love Jim Carrey um, <laughs> even more now. But <laughs> um, I don't want to talk about male comedians. That's I true. could talk about That's that true. all there's day. There's a lot though. of them. Yeah, there's yes. a lot that I love and. The well, reason I've been asking these questions is I've been, since I saw your show and you guys up there, I've been thinking I could do that. I can do that. Mm-hmm. and I'm I'm at the part of my life now where I'm comfortable on stage
3: mm-hmm.
0: and I can get up there and speak and talk. Yeah. Um, but I would have a lot, a lot to learn. And I'm not a good writer mm.
3: either. Well, sometimes you can go off the cuff. I don't know about you, Gail, but I've definitely walked into an open mic before and literally just talked about my day for five minutes or four minutes. And it was just the crazy story I wanted to get out of my system. (laughs) And sometimes you get a huge laugh and you're like, that's awesome because I needed that. Sometimes you're like, I really don't know if anybody else found this funny, but here Mm. it is. And so even if you've just got one of those where it's just like this story or one of those stories where you tell your friends or it comes up, they're like, remember that time? you know, no names, you want to protect the innocent or the relatively innocent. But (laughs) those sometimes those stories turn into jokes. And that's part of sort of what motivates me. Maybe that's what you're asking earlier, like what makes me get up and do it is like the stuff I go through in my day to day life is often what turns into my material or the basis for it, which is how we connect with other people, because they also have that day to day. They also have this random crazy stuff that nobody will believe. But well, you don't even have to make up jokes sometimes.
0: Then I wonder about that. And I'm like, well, this is my outlet right here. Mm-hmm. The podcast is. And this is where I can get, this is where I can get all my little stories out that I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see what you're saying, though. I keep the little funny stories for when my husband comes home. You know, and then when he comes home, I'll, he has a little antidote for the day yeah. or something like that. Um. I forgot. Totally forgot where I was going. <laughs> and just I I will out, cut Well, that how? Out. See, when well, you're thinking about doing right? This is the difference right? of yeah.
1: everyone as a comic. I am rethinking my entire career just because of that one phrase you said. Mm-hmm. After saying it, I thought I can get up there and do that.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not
1: saying it would so, be easy. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, Great, making it look like anyone can do it.
3: Inspired (laughs) her. You've you've inspired her. You are her muse, Gail. Don't take it the wrong way. I know that
0: she's joking. (laughs) One day you said, "I think I could do that." Look at you now. There is an underlying little little thing of truth Mm -hmm. in that. It's Mm -hmm. me analyzing myself.
1: It's my own mm -hmm. competition. I do think
0: of stuff like that. I think of stuff like, well, I don't want to take away anybody else's spotlight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I compete with myself. I'm sorry. I would be
1: way (laughs) further in my career if I did not think like that. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I was poised to go touring before the pandemic, Mm -hmm. and I would like to tour again. And Mm I have already decided that is one of my goals this year. And I am 100%. I've joked about it a lot, but I'm going to tour, and I'm going to sell other comics merchandise that i have bought through the years at my merch table like a yard collection they are (laughs) going i have a huge collection i've heard that about you and they are going to uh lift me up on my tour that i embark on other people's merch (laughs) some of its autographs some people have hit some people never even do comedy anymore, mm-hmm. but I have invested a lot of dollars. So I've decided, you know what? I'm going to cash in my comedy can retirement. A, can you give me a little preview? <laughs> like, like what, what you got stuff that I have? I have stuff, <laughs> stuff in a drawer. Hold on. No, 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 no. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to <laughs> know. I just, See, just
0: like, uh, just like, give okay. me, give I me have, just a little um, example.
1: <laughs> I have the liberal rednecks t-shirt okay, an original book. Okay. That's all you yeah. want? Yeah, that's what I, mean, I wanted. I hundreds. <laughs> I have CDs, buttons. I have T-shirts, buttons. Yeah, CDs, I just want like, like the most, maybe it's the, the most famous name you have. Mm. Oh, I don't know. Do you guys know who Jake Johansson? I do. Is?
3: <laughs> Not personally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I have an autographed. Uh, C D of his. Do you know who Jim Brewer is?
0: <laughs> I fucking love Jim Brewer. I just listened to him on Joe Rogan. You know who doesn't get talked about enough? And it's female black comedians.
1: Oh my gosh. I I mean I have a whole list. A whole list. I fell in love with Whoopi Goldberg when she did the <gasps> special. Too. When she first of all, when she put the shirt on her head as her hair. <laughs> I literally used to run around with shirts on my head as what my hair when I was young. When you, had well, that,
0: when you wanted long hair. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. When you, yes. <laughs> if you did not have long hair. Like me
0: today with
1: this yes. fake ass. And it was, I mean, it just hit like she, it just, I was mesmerized by that whole, her whole show. And I loved her. I love Wanda Sykes with all my heart and soul. Oh, Leslie too. Jones is killer,
3: yes. especially being an older female black comic. Like yes. she checks so and many boxes she, for so many she audiences. Didn't, so. No.
0: she didn't start her career until she was forty. Leslie yes. Jones. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, no, he, you know that she, and she, I love Leslie. It should be an inspiration. At all but Lunel. Definitely. Oh man! Yes, <laughs> I love now Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I've loved Monique. her for years. Monique, I love Monique is Monique. one of my favorites. Like, there's not one you're going to name that I'm not no. going to legitimately be like, I love, I love, I, I love, love, I love. I, I love, love to
0: watch uh, on Showtime, which seems like the it's the only Aisha. channel that shows that. I love Aisha Taylor. Um, they have a a series with all female black comics, and it's oh, cool, wonderful, and you know, and you're getting. I can't, I don't know any of the names right now. Nobody comes off the top of my head, but these women are fucking funny. Well. And they don't get the.
1: Recognition.
0: Yes. Like we were watching that show hysterical. Yes. And it's on Hulu right now and it's about female comics, but there was only one black girl on there. And I know there was probably everybody in one location, one area Yes, where they were just around each other all the time, probably due to covid But I wanted to see, I want to see another scene. I want to see the Atlanta scene. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, Dolce Sloan's been here. She didn't have any merch or I would have had it, which is great. She, uh, Beth and I did a show right outside of Memphis and there were some Memphis comics. Yeah, that, May Gaydon and Lotus
3: B. Mm-hmm, Lotus uh, two Bee. two times hilarious. Like was just just to get out of our own bubble and find other strong female mm-hmm. comics. It was a fantastic time, wasn't it? That was great. It was so good to be mm-hmm. around so many. That uh, there are so many
1: great comics around here, you know. And uh, Nikki Glacier had come here before. Uh, we've had a lot tour through here, and then Atlanta has a good scene can't wait to get out mm-hmm. and soon. do you know you know of course i know she's caused a lot of issue but back in the day roseanne we, you couldn't beat roseanne, roseanne. for a blue collar comedy the roseanne
0: show was my childhood mm-hmm. yeah it's i mean so we it, didn't relate
1: little brother or you and... related to brett butler mm-hmm. I, I freaking love brett i'm trying to think I mom's maybe that's one i love moms <laughs> mm-hmm <laughs> I have her, her trailblazer. I mean, yeah. LGBTQ. She's controversial,
0: but I've watched yeah. every special she's ever put out, and that's who? Kathy, Kathy Griffin. I love mm.
1: Kathy. A lot of people would, in my first start doing comedy would say that's who I would, reminded them of, mm-hmm. how I told stories or whatever, the way I acted on stage or my persona. <laughs> I'm trying to just be me. I also got a lot of Lisa Lampanelli, and I'm like, it's just because... We're both fat, and I have a big nose, and we talk about sex. And She's so. not fat anymore.
2: No, she had
1: like a sleeve, lap band, or whatever, gastric bypass. She's living her best life. But she's not an insult comic anymore. And I think that that's not really right now. I mean, when I first started doing comedy, and this is about... Beth being
3: on here, but just as comics <laughs> again. I've learned so much from you. You can just talk. Just about,
1: I feel so bad. I'm like, oh, this yeah. is my
3: mentor we right here. So I just, please, I'm her. Taking notes at the moment. But yeah, I'm not
1: trying to be like crazy. It's just like you see the comedy styles evolve. And when I first started doing this, it's wild because it's been a while now. You know, yeah. and I um uh it was very rapid fire uh your joke should just be you know basically like a tweet yeah family guy add people you know that was what was hot how many jokes per minute can you get in there you know almost like a prize fight punch 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 punch, punch. and that's for that's how they wanted rapid fire blah 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 or some styles or people, you know where they rant comics and they just scream at you about whatever, and some people mm-hmm. like that and some people don't like that or whatever. I definitely like sex jokes. I've always liked sex jokes. I'm sexy. I'm a you know, hairdresser. As I stop, you know, identifying as a hairdresser and just start telling stories, you know, there's some people I promise they'd have to die and then I'll start telling, you know, like my chair is Vegas. I have all kinds of material that has nothing to do with anything. But for some people, it's too close to home. So I, sometimes I like to do a lot of different. But the the stylings of comedy are definitely going more towards stories again. People are starting to have a little more attention and uh, patience. However, it's how you tell that story. If you want to be a storyteller, comic, you have to make sure that you're definitely telling it in a funny way to keep their attention. Or you're going to have to set up punch, set up punch. And it is formulaic whether you want it to be or not. There is a rhythm and a formula to comedy, to the story You know, and I know that we haven't known
0: each other, we haven't known each other our whole lives, but I want you to know this is not the first time I've thought of this. You know, I, you are an inspiration, but I have loved stand up comedy since I mean, birth comedy has gotten me through
1: a lot. Usually, um, people mm -hmm. with broken backgrounds, that's where it comes from. Well, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, like you said, everybody that's in there is broken Mm -hmm. and finds it somewhere. Uh, My, And every time I would watch a comic, I would always think, I can do that. But I'm just not that good of a writer. And I would just tell myself that and tell myself that and just bring myself down. But now I'm at the age where I'm like, maybe I can do this. I don't know. Well, do you want to keep
3: deciding that you're funny or do you want to give other people a chance to decide if you're funny? And does how much does that matter to you? Like, there's no reason for you not to get up there, but it's what you do after you're done are you just trying to get it out of your system or is it something you want to build on and if it's something you want to build on it's
0: probably more than getting it out of my system there's room for both you may want to do it I have
1: always wanted to be a comic Like I have always wanted to do this my whole entire life. And I let other people, I listened to You were the little girl with the spoon in your hand? I was a little girl going door to door telling people jokes that I had just heard. And that joke, even though I tell that on stage, is literally a snippet of my life. So we put on shows in the back of my dad's pickup truck. And it was always, again a variety type vaudeville show so i could tell jokes cuz i couldn't sing so we'd get the kids that could sing but i was always like meh, 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 meh. <laughs> you know? and so da-da, 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 da-da. and then you know i then i had some upsets so i was like oh this sucks this is not good and then um uh, which we all fall down and so but then i had people where I have tunnel vision there and I had cough. people that were like, "No, I don't think that would be you're funny or I was embarrassing to them or whatever cuz it wasn't cool to have a girlfriend that was a comic."
3: It's you know not how to fun. cut out that cough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. Just say the middle part again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't even know what I was saying. I should have just shut up. Well, no, just, no, the I don't, anyway, it wasn't cool. I listened to guys that I thought were hot or that I liked or that I was in a relationship with, and I was why? Why did prob- I listen to yeah. them? who? Were
3: you were probably funnier than. And that seems to be a common thing. No, but they don't have to date comics, but if you're succeeding on your wit, that is problematic. And I think also like, and we should talk about that because I think that that's part of what is important about hysterical being so popular on Hulu. I think that's what's important about the Knoxville comedy scene. And a lot of our local, like regional scenes is that women are producing more now. Like the women not being in comedy thing is over Mm -hmm. And we can continue to see show bills with five white guys or four white guys and a black guy or three white guys and a black guy and like one woman, like, which is great. Like those dynamics are going to be out there. But like from falling, when someone has told you, you can't do this from falling, when you had your life all set up and then the rug yanked out from under, we rise up and create our own shows and find our own venues so for this high school stuff that we refer to when we're women producers, there's room for other women producers who come from all kinds of backgrounds and we don't have to tear each other down to have our own strong encampments to build the community up. Correct. But getting the guys out of the scene is not the goal. There is room oh, for yeah. everybody. And yes. it's not the He-Man or the He-Woman Man-Haters Club or whatever version of that. This is we. There's room for all of us. Yes. There's room for plenty of white guys in comedy. With also plenty of room for people of color, black people, women, trans people, LGBTQ comics, all kinds of people. Like that is who comes out to the shows. So that is who should be on stage. Yes. But We, we are the ones that are setting the precedent now. So
1: we want it to be all inclusive. And back in the day when I first started, though, stage time was very limited. I mean, when I very first did comedy, I was like 19. It was in the 80s. I got a, a chance to do Coconuts Comedy Club, which just because I talked to the person that was running the show and they liked me. And the dude that I was with was like, mm, you were just kind of embarrassing. I knew I got laughs, you know, but I did not prepare. But I still knew that I was funny. And it wasn't pity laughs, but because I was insecure and I was a young person, I was only like nineteen.
0: Yeah, you're gonna listen to your dumbass boyfriend who I'm says an idiot. <laughs> yes, and
1: then you uh, know, you're
0: just embarrassing in not hair.
1: That funny. And sh- uh, yes, so mm-hmm. I'm just. And then my ex-husband did the same thing. Yet yeah, I was doing comedy, at church in church, making, you know hundreds pews you know like Mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. a pretty big church it wasn't a mega church but it still had several hundred people there make them laugh do their 2000 y2k if the world ends i was doing comedy that night and my ex was like that's
3: just humiliating you're so embarrassing See, the opportunities are there, and but who decides for you is what counts. Like, yeah. the difference is that I didn't have a boyfriend to tell me not to <laughs> when I was so depressed and wanting to tell my mom jokes. I, was, I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do shows. Plenty of comedians here that were well more deserving of having a room, hosting better skills, whatever. But I wanted the opportunity and I made one you know, when Gail was hosting her show for the longest time, a local brewery, like that was one of the first producers I was aware of. And at the time, the only female producer I was aware of. And then, you know, from her, I learned a lot, like, who's going to tell her? No, who's telling her Uh, month to month, here's her show, all these awesome lineups, a mix of people that other people want to come out and see. Like that is what we do this for. But whether it's men telling us we don't have room for women or women aren't funny, whether it's other women saying, I have a problem with who you date or who you're friends with, or I don't like this joke you tell, but they don't say it to your face. There's no constructive like discourse about it. It's behind the back, you know, closed doors that I'm not here for that. That doesn't build. And so when I came into the scene, I didn't see the drama. I saw the building you know, when I came into the scene, I was in a room full of other depressed people. So the playing ground is level, not everybody that does comedy is depressed now or ever. <laughs> yeah,
1: that doesn't mean that
3: everybody. Well, it. every That that definitely is a common thread yeah, and people forget that. Every
0: performance group has their drama, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Every one of yeah. it. And I'm not interested in any of it. And it comes in cycles, Yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, this is just it mm-hmm. sounds like a weird time right now
3: but the reasons like i asked you what would be the reason for you getting up and doing it and then once you're done what do you do after that like we have to do that every time we do a show every time somebody you know we're at an open mic and there's jokes around us or we see other comedians and stuff like we're always like what do we do next time is there room for me at the mic do i make another show do i go out of town do i write more material like there's room for all of us to be in whatever mode we're in whether you're just now thinking about doing it or somebody that's been doing it for years, yes. you know. I
1: think anybody that wants to get up should get up. I was just teasing yeah. about <laughs> that. that. was oh, a joke. And uh, as know. I've <laughs> always tried to be, I am not the first female in Knoxville comedy. I happen to be, um, I work easily with people. Mm-hmm. And there were some people who, you uh, the comedy scene was very divided here in Knoxville and there were people building up the scene and uh, I enjoyed their vision. Whether I always got along with all the people or not, I can appreciate your vision. And um, I really enjoyed the scene. I invested a lot of time and a lot of money, which is what you do in a craft that you want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that cause I'm sad about it. It just is what it is. But I really liked the idealism of the underground scene that uh, uh, I have to mention Matt Ward, not that we're trying to mention all these people, but he was very pro-female comic for, I mean, he introduced me to a lot of great Ohio comics and people around, and he did a um, all of the comedy. Uh, he ran Scruffy City. Comedy festival three years in a row, and each one of those festivals had a female headliner. He's always made sure there was a female headliner at any of the festivals that he's been involved with, so that's been nice to have a comic appreciate female comics. Whether he was always great, whether he always said the right thing or did the right thing, I'm not here to defend or. Mm-hmm say anything about this person's character what he did is he cared enough about comedy that he wanted everyone to have an opportunity to do stage time and what made that so different in the scene what's so important about that is you had every opportunity to get better and better and better and he also produced shows because he had to figure out a way to make some money while he was doing this And he showcased a lot of very cool, independent, up and coming people, all these. Anyway, there's so many doors. You just have to go through them and you just have to open them. And nobody is stopping you from putting on your own show or from doing anything as a female anymore. It was a lot harder back in the day. And then it was even worse because like in your relationships, forget trying to get stage time, but like That's why I thought it was funny when you asked about vanity,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because it's the least sexy thing. Nobody wants the goofy girl. <laughs> Only other girls in romantic comedies want the goofy girl. There'll always be one weird, goofy guy, you know, and at the end of the life, they, they figure out, oh, yeah, that's the one we should be with, because it's better. I guess but vanity comics... was
0: maybe the wrong word, and maybe conceited would be there if you that thought you think if you're you thought, funny? Yeah. If you thought that you were funny?
1: Okay, if you didn't think you were funny, the audacity to be getting on stage trying to make people laugh if you do not think you are funny, get the fuck off of my <laughs> stage. <laughs> what precious Why time Just the
0: insecurity thing that's
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're allowed that's the problem you're allowed to think you're funny you're allowed to it's think you th- are pretty
3: it's when you think there's not you room for all- other people to be funny or you're pretty or whatever that smart. is where it gets problematic that's
0: just my crazy anxiety brain <laughs> like, i know tell your anxiety <sighs> mosquitos you know, maria bramford what's the future beth hmm <laughs> <laughs> I know that you are producing a show that I'm going to be in yes. this week, but it will be
1: over with by the time this airs.
0: That's
3: fine. That's yeah, fine. We can still
1: talk about because she's going to have others and she's got a comedy yeah. contest coming up yeah, too. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, uh, so True Grit Comedy uh, is what I do all of my bookings and events for comedy oriented things, which makes sense. Safe Kicker is more music, flow arts. We might put a burlesque show together. Who knows? Um <laughs> But yeah, well, as the world is opening up bit by bit, there's definitely some stuff on the horizon. I hope to have regular shows at Barrel House, like the one coming up this Saturday. I hope we'll have another one in a couple more months. Um, it's a great venue, and they love supporting the arts community. They have so much stuff going on, and they're a big old space to do it in. So that's nice.
0: I love it. Knoxville really needs a space like mm-hmm.
3: that. And if we go up the interstate a little bit to the northeast, there's Tri-Cities. And Kingsport uh, has gypsy circus cider which is not only a cider there twice awesome well you might end up there again yes we we might take the variety format up there sometime but um coming up in may i'm doing a six-week series of a stand-up comedy competition so i'm hosting it's judged by local like business owners uh community members folks with like the community organizations it's free to participate And it's very low pressure. It's not one of these, you know, I'm going to fly you somewhere and book you on this TV show, but you might get bragging rights and a cool trophy. So (laughs) (laughs) the idea is to help encourage people to come out and to get into the spirit of trying to build on their artistic talents. It is, you know, competition is fun, but ultimately, like, I compete with myself you know, it's up to me to figure out when would be a good time to ask this venue to do a show. Once I have the show, who do I ask to be on this show? What's a good fit for this venue, for this audience, for this timing? And so, you know, I've got that comedy competition coming up, hopefully some more shows at Barrel House. And then um, just looking ahead to, you know, what can we do to bring a festival back to Knoxville? What can we do to get more road time? Myself and Gail, maybe another comic or Well oh, she's ready get she's out She's going spread the laughs and learn a yeah, lot we learn so much in other in other cities mm-hmm. like other cities definitely I'm okay. yeah okay. i didn't make get, you get
1: 5g enabled to sit <laughs> home uh-huh.
0: even if i can't go with you you're going
1: mm-hmm. well we'll see
3: <laughs> might live stream it we've been doing a lot of live streaming of shows to make it more accessible for audience people so you never know you might catch on a live stream right now <laughs> Well, I, you know, I got called
1: out when uh, Beth brought Mo Alexander here Mm -hmm. to town, and then he just was like, why are you not already, like, (laughs) so disappointed, and then I was sad Mm -hmm. because Mo wasn't, uh, he was disappointed in me. I I mean, I think (laughs) us being (laughs) a woman of a certain age, and yet I'm like, fuck it,
0: (laughs) I am such at a crossroads right now with myself. Like, I want to be out there and I want, you know, I want to be relevant. I want to be seen. But then the other half of me is like, I don't give a fuck what anybody Mm -hmm. thinks. I just want to crawl back into my little hole. I don't really want to be on social media. Um, I still want to create art and do that. But Mm -hmm. I want to do it just within the confinements of my own home. I'm not... I'm not wanting to share it with everybody. And I used to be a huge social
1: media whore. Mm -hmm. I got a fucking plaque from it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Salome, (laughs) sometimes, you know, like I'm going into crone. It's time for me to be the madam of the whorehouse. Yeah. But but like I said, I want to end out my days uh, being a touring comic. And I think that's completely 100% a tangible, viable, option for me and that's odd for me to be able to say with that Mm -hmm. much confidence but it's taken a long time to flip that switch but I'm just better than I've let on and it's time to stop you know it's time to take be where I'm supposed to be it's so hard to be a woman
0: too because not only that during this age but you have to start taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So that means, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to meditate. You've got to eat right. You've got to take <laughs> time for yourself. Plus do all the work that it takes to be, I guess, yes. quote unquote, somebody to be, to be able mean, to make a your, living yeah.
3: doing this. No, that mm-hmm. article that just made the rounds on Facebook about hustle culture. Specific yes. to comedians, and basically, the premise is that comedians are killing themselves to get further ahead in their careers by way of not giving themselves proper self care. And there are so many of us that in the community shared that article, liked it, reshared it, commented on it because we all get it. And I'm sure that also follows across all the arts disciplines that we as artists just want so much to fuel our ambition that we forget to fuel you know, the essentials, our soul or our mind. So meditating, whatever. And that also fits in with how comedy can end up being a therapy session for a lot of people. And that's okay, but it doesn't really fit the art of it. But the space is there for it. But that self-care is so important. So yeah, I mean, for Gail to get out on the road, for me to do more shows or whatever I end up doing, and you too. Mm -hmm. Even to step up for your first time, you have to be in a good spot mentally you have emotionally to be able to balance taking care of yourself yeah that's and so the important
1: thing is it's kept me from being on the road is not having a comedy buddy to go with because of the fact that it can be so i mean if i'm going to make a living at this eventually it'll be like any road person and i will have to go by myself mm-hmm. for gigs or whatever i have an entourage
0: and,
3: it's fine
1: <laughs> and i don't mind that like I know, but
0: uh, you know, you're coming in late. Things are a little unsafe,
1: but it is. There are things that you think about more, and the older you get. Like if you're when you're really young, you think about this too, but maybe not as much because you're like, ah, you know, I'm I can be a badass or whatever. And as you get older, there are things. There are things like, had I started this at. A long time ago, A, hey, I'd already be famous. So, you yeah, know, I wouldn't even know you. So, whatever. Yes, I wouldn't
0: even out. know you. I wouldn't even
1: know you because so, I would already whatever. be famous. Gab
0: Girl Time would not even exist, exist. <laughs>
1: if so, I started when I was it's 19. So good that things worked out the way they did. Mm. But no, I would have slept in my car and done all of the things that you, we should do. And there would have not, I wouldn't have had children. So, there wouldn't be this, oh, I can't jump on that because I've got the kids. Even though when I first started, there were things. Uh, one, people wanted me to headline way too early. I didn't know what I was doing. But, you know, I would cultivated a lifetime. You know, if Sally Field on Punchline could do it, so could you. <laughs> right? And I was writing my own jokes. I didn't have anybody writing them for me. I didn't have just a Tom, need Tom Hanks, Hanks to buy jokes from. Well, to help you was, out. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that movie too. But make sure he doesn't give you any a greenish room. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it was just, it was a weird thing. And I'm my own worst enemy. But I also, because I had imposter syndrome from all of these other things, it has, you know, I also ha- find great happiness helping elevate other people so I don't regret any of the things that I have done look I just am more educated now than I have been I don't regret uh you know the path that I chose but if I had to talk to my younger self again I would say do not worry they will be fine take this don't worry Because I would think three steps ahead, like, oh, well, I know they've really, wow, they've really been hitting the mic hard and trying and whatever. And I don't know if I can commit to this. I don't know what the kids have going on or whatever. And I should have made it comedy a priority. But my kids and my other life was still a priority because I'm just learning. And the thing is, is I felt like because I didn't invest the time and I just did air quotes, that somehow I wasn't okay or ready. But I didn't take into consideration the fact that I've been funny my whole entire life. My everyday career, as I talk to people, even one at a time, I had an audience of one that I would entertain. Like I would have people literally rolling out of the hair chair onto the floor laughing so hard throughout my day you know and it's not I mean this is like every day people are sad when I quit working with them with the ears or whatever because I'm insane and the mouth never stops yes we know but a lot of times it's funny (laughs) nobody bitch pleased you know you have a way to stop it but anyway yeah (laughs) Poor Beth. (laughs) Beth's like, oh, God, I hate this. Mm -hmm. She knew what she was walking into, (laughs) though. She
3: does. I'm I'm here for the charcuterie.
1: (laughs) 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 But it's time. Anyway, it's time to take the shot that I want to take and do what I need to do. And I still have some things I have to work on. And you telling me that after watching my set the last time, that you could just easily waltz up there and do it. (laughs) Has clearly shown me oh, that, no. yes, I do need to work a little bit harder. We all have our gifts. Mm.
0: I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly I right. really think mine is the ADD. I've, I can't commit to anything more than two years. Mm. Just to be honest. I mean, I've, my husband and I joke about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I have like a two-year limit and then I'm bored and I want to do something else. Mm-hmm. Or I want to date someone else or i just want a new change of some sort
1: and uh i never yeah, so s- in two years this will be gavin <laughs> Gale <laughs> time Thought i got in early
2: on this gail
1: gavin time in two years
0: <laughs> my husband has stuck around marketing. for nine so there's hope there you go yes there you go. there's hope in all of this yeah. But I really, I think that it's part of my ADD that I just, I want to do everything. That's why I've never done anything with my life. I want to do all the things. (laughs)
3: It's called being well-rounded. But I can't commit (laughs) to anything. Just do a a little bit of everything. It's called being well-rounded. I have been doing
0: burlesque though for five years. But then I got a little bored with that and was like, okay, I'm going to start doing drag then. And I love that. And the, now I'm thinking, oh, I might start doing pole. It's when I go to these shows and I love to support everybody in there. Right. And I go,
1: "Huh, I think I can do that. And, and you probably can. I, I even bought a big thing. fucking hula
0: hoop because I went to a show and thought I could do that. Flow so arts. You, yes. you need to bring your hula hoop. You, you need to bring your
3: hula hoop to the comedy open mic. <laughs> And that way, even if your jokes suck, we'll all be like, yay! i well, we've
1: already I can't decided deliver. that I'm going to have to pull like a Judy Tenuta and do the ISIS wings on this come out waving my wings. Go for it. Fly I like it. in. You do what you want. <laughs> Who's going to check you? It's fun. It's fun.
0: If you had words of advice for a young budding comic who wants to come out to Knoxville, What do you have for him? Female specifically. And I know that you're... How long have you been doing this comedy? I didn't even ask that. It's okay.
3: Uh, I think I'm coming up on like three and a half, almost four years.
0: So you're still kind of a toddler in it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: My age doesn't matter in a lot of ways because of how new this still is to me in many ways. I think people forget that sometimes, too. You know, like, I also have a lot of learning and growing to do. But I think that is the thing, like, for a newcomer, especially a female comedian, like, communicating is the key. If somebody does something that you don't like, you tell them, I don't like that. If you want to know how your favorite local comedian worked on that one joke, you walk them. and you say, I love that one joke that you wrote. Can you give me any pointers? Like, just communicating what you're looking for like be open to that too but i think that that is the the main thing is just like starting out so many people seem unapproachable for different reasons not well beyond looks but what you hear about them what you see on stage you know the history that they might have in the community that they're working in but everybody is accessible cuz we all started somewhere and I think just being willing to speak up, whether you're happy or frustrated or if you feel you've been done wrong by somebody or you want to set something right, just to communicate that. And that's something that still applies well after you're not new and you're not young anymore. So <laughs> we can all like apply that. But I genuinely thinking back over my comedy career, plus my other positions in life, working with other people in groups where there's established culture codes or guidelines or whatever. Like that fear of communicating. What if it's a dumb question? What if this person doesn't like me? Like the worst somebody can say is, I don't really have the time to talk to you or I'm not you know, I'm not comfortable telling you that. Or you can say, I don't like how you did this and someone will say, Well that's too bad. But at least you if you communicate that you're putting the energy into making it a better path for yourself and other people and that I think is the right philosophy like to be in this for yourself is not going to work out if you're in this for other people that's great some people are in it just to make an audience laugh and the bigger the audience that is their mark of success some people are just in it to have a successful podcast and the more viewers and clicks you have Mm -hmm. the more ads that get bought the more successful you are and some of that might be based on talent. Some of that might be based on atmosphere or demographic or whatever. And all that figures into comedy too. But like you have to express what you want. You have to go after what you want. You can't stand there and wait for someone to walk up and say, here's how I produce my shows. I would like you to do this show. People will think you're very funny and you will get many more shows out of this. Like that that isn't going to happen. But if you want those shows, if you want people to think you're funny, if you want to be on a show, you have to communicate that. It just it goes so much deeper than the, the professional side of things. It's a human relationship thing.
1: And get on as many stages as you can. Mm-hmm. As a young female comic right now, in comedy, there's literally no reason. All, you know, the barriers have been broke. The mm-hmm. ceiling has been broken for us now as comics. Um, it's still difficult, there's still a lot of people fighting to hold on and it still is a mostly male dominated place but go, go get stage time, get on stage write your beginning, middle and end and get up there
3: be fearless do it
0: What's all your handles there, Beth?
3: (laughs) You can find me on Instagram at SafeKicker. You can find me on Facebook, SafeKicker Media Group, or True Grit Comedy. And you can also go to lol-cast.com, where we occasionally broadcast shows like the one we have coming up Saturday.
2: (laughs) That
0: I will be performing in. Looking
3: forward to it.
0: Giving a little (laughs) poovy.
1: Yeah. I'm excited that you're doing Pam.
3: Pam Pouve. Ms. Gail will also be on site helping support the production. I, believe. I know she's going to be my spotlight. i the spotlight i yeah, yes. everybody look good. <laughs> spotlight. And
2: good
0: if you have yes. questions for us, it doesn't matter. You guys aren't going to message us anyway. But if you wanted to, you could message us
1: at uh, gabangirltime at gmail.com. Yeah. Or Girl time on Facebook. You can catch me on Instagram at Gab and Gale Time.
0: <laughs> and I am braddy Von Beaverhausen on Instagram. I'm not really doing the Facebook thing right now. Uh, you can also find me on TikTok under Bruce Tonsils, I'm, which would be my stage name, actually. I mean, come yes. on.
1: It has I'm, to be. I'm. Oh, you would just be introduced <laughs> yes. as a comedian, Bruce Tonsils? Yes,
0: BT for short. Okay, That cool. might be
3: taken, but we'll discuss it after the podcast. It's
1: BT.
0: The
3: it's <laughs> not taken. Is
1: there a Bruce
3: Well, tonsils? I'm, a, I'm a Beth Tompkins. So. Oh, that's <laughs> oh <true>. you <laughs> are a BT. Oh. I have to negotiate everybody, a little.
0: <laughs> Everybody in the scene, though, that's what they call me is that's BT.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: like Bruce Tonsils is Fine. so hard to say.
1: And I really appreciate you being on here, Thank coming you. to listen to us. And <laughs> I appreciate you.
0: And don't forget to like share and describe
1: don't describe but please subscribe (laughs) subscribe to Gavin girl time because I want to say I really appreciate you since I have been saying hey you know please like and subscribe I don't know the kids say we need to say it and that's what we need to do guess what 10 subscribers ding 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 Ding, we had not because we asked not I'm so flippin' excited! We have thousands of downloads. Really? We it's have probably like- just me trying to figure out how to listen.
0: Our hashtag has twenty we'll thousand
1: views. Somebody's checking it out. It's but probably it's- the same three people looking at us <laughs> over and over and over. <laughs> but it's cool. But we
0: definitely I'm happy. would not have those accolades without our listeners. Occasionally.
3: Doesn't. like occasionally I'm
0: <laughs> <laughs> we thank you so much for listening to Gavin girl time Gavin girl time Gavin girl
2: time, Gavin girl time. Girl time. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs>